When is the trade deadline this year? I gotta look it up. This is such bad radio. Thursday, February 6th. What in turn it? The 2021 trade deadline, Google. Why would you give me, you know what? Forget it. It's coming up soon. Sorry I asked. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I was very worried about tonight's show. Uh, last night when I left work, like 8, 9 o'clock. And then, you know, this morning I woke up and I was worried about today's show. Because I, I was worried about the possibility that we were going to have to talk about Tiger Woods possibly passing away, which would have been devastating, especially after the last year that we had. I didn't want to do that today. And on a less serious note, I was worried that the Bucks were going to lose last night, and we were going to have to talk about the Bucks losing to a Wolves team that has yet to get their eighth win of the year through 30-plus games, which would have been a huge waste of time. I don't want to spend one ounce of this show explaining why the Bucks couldn't beat the Timberwolves. That'd be a waste. And I'm glad that neither turned out to be the case. I'm glad that Tiger Woods is going to be okay. He's banged up, but he is still with us, which I will absolutely take after the year that we have gone through. And the Bucks won last night, and they won by a, a comfortable margin. And if you had the Bucks minus 11 or minus 10 or whatever you got them at, you, you were good. The Bucks took care of business last night, so we don't have to worry at all today about any of that, which I'm very, very glad about. I'm glad because I was worried yesterday. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having a good night, a good day so far. A lot to talk about today between the NBA and between the Brewers. We have an excellent guest, a guest that we haven't had on in a while. And I don't know why that is. Our paths just haven't crossed. Well, I I know why. It's my fault. I haven't reached out. I haven't invited said guest on. That's Brian Sampson. You might know him better on Twitter as Buck's Film Room. Uh, He notoriously watches every Bucks game twice. Uh, He writes for Forbes.com, and he does some blogging as well for Dairyland Express, and recently he's been hanging out on the Locker Room app, which I think he he might actually be doing right now. I saw him on Twitter in the last half hour saying he was going live, so he might be chatting Bucks at the moment, probably just to warm up for this exemplary program. I imagine he scheduled his entire day with our 4.30 conversation in mind. We'll talk to Brian coming up at 4.35, and I texted him today, and I told him, and I will tell you the same thing. I think I wrote some pretty darn good questions for this interview. I'm looking at him right now between Coach Bud and Giannis's three-point shot and any potential trades. I think this is going to be an A++ interview. So I'm looking forward to that. Brian Sampson coming up at 435. Other than that, like I said, NBA, Brewers, a tiny bit of Packers today as well. There's a little bit of J.J. Watt news, which I'm trying to avoid. This program will not be held hostage by Watt Watch. I'm not going to do it. When he wants to make his decision, cool. I'll talk about it. I'm not going to put my life on pause so J.J. Watt can make his decision. We're going to talk about bigger and better things. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, you absolutely can. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. And you can follow me on Twitter and tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, as Big Joe has already done. Joe, I appreciate your consistency uh, and the scheduled nature with which you send me tweets. Appreciate you listening as always. You can be like Big Joe follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant. Biggest news of today and yesterday, unless I I missed something. I don't think I missed something. Uh, We really didn't talk about it a whole lot yesterday. I thought Tiger Woods was going to die. Not because we really had any evidence to support that he was going to die. Not because any news outlet reported that he was going to die. But I, I, after the year we've gone through, I just, I assumed the worst. And yesterday felt so eerily similar to what happened last January when Kobe Bryant passed away. Now, that was before the pandemic hit. Actually, last January when Kobe Bryant passed away, I was sitting in Wendy's with one of my best friends just drinking lemonade. Remember going into fast food restaurants and not eating in the parking lot like a... Like like eating in the parking lot used to be just this like this guilty pleasure and now it's just what everybody does. I don't remember the last time I was inside a fast food restaurant, but that's where I was. I was in Wendy's. When the Kobe Bryant news broke a year ago. And I just remember feeling shell-shocked. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I had the same kind of feeling yesterday. And we had some details. We saw some pictures of the accident. We heard that the jaws of life extracted him from the vehicle. And everyone's like, oh, that's not good. It's like, it's a tool to open the door. That means not, quiet down, everybody. Like, calm down. Let's, let's take it easy. Which is why we didn't really talk about it on the show yesterday. 
But now we know some things for sure. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to read the statement from Tiger Woods himself. This is on his Twitter account. Now, it wasn't written by him, but you get my point. It's it's his statement uh, through his platform, his Twitter account. Uh, I'll read you the statement. We thank everyone for the overwhelming support and messages during this tough time. As previously communicated, Tiger was involved in a single car accident this morning in California. He has undergone a long surgical procedure on his lower right leg and ankle after being brought into the hospital. Quote, Mr. Woods suffered significant orthopedic injuries to his right lower extremity that were treated during emergency surgery by trauma specialists at Harbor UCLA Medical Center, a level one trauma center. Good piece of information. If anybody asks you what level trauma center uh, Harbor UCLA is, you can tell them it's level one. Uh, And I keep mispronouncing this wrong. I researched it today. I'm still going to sound stupid. Sorry. Uh, Communited. Open fractures affecting both the upper and lower positions of the tibial and fibula were stabilized by inserting a rod and some pins into the bones of the foot and the ankle, blah, 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 medical jargon. That's the chief medical officer from said hospital. And I looked up communited uh, fractures. That means there was some protuberance, some bones, like it was, it was pretty messed up. Uh, the statement continues. He is currently awake responsive and recovering in the hospital room. Thank you to everybody, the fire department, everybody. It's been outstanding. No further updates at this time. We continue and thank you for your well wishes and privacy, uh, Tiger. So that's from his family, his people. That's from directly from his Twitter account. I say this respectfully. That man's right leg is messed up. Very, very messed up. It's going to be a while until he's 100%. I, I don't know what that means for his return to a golf course, if he can return at all, right? We hope for the best. I don't think we should assume anything. It sort of stinks for the sport of golf, but I, I got to say as a human and as an American, like, thank God, I, I sat at my computer yesterday and watched this news come in, just like I've sat at my computer so many times throughout the last year during the workday and seen some horrible things unfold, right? Even in the last couple of weeks and last year between COVID and between some tragic deaths that we've had, like, I... It's become normal. It's become routine. And I don't know what you do for work, but maybe you've had a similar experience, right? If you're on the job site or you work at home and the TV is on or you have a desk where you have Twitter open or you're checking news throughout the day. I've been in this spot too many times in the last year. And I got to say yesterday, I had a lot of deja vu. Seeing that first tweet saying Tiger Woods has been in a car accident. I thought, oh my God, here we go again, right? It reminded me of Kobe. And I'm very glad that Tiger is okay and we did not lose another it's not just famous person, but like, it's a part of our country. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of our sport. And well, I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty big sports fan. I talk about it for two hours every night. So even though his legs pretty messed up, I look, I'll take it. I'm fortunate that we didn't lose him. Steph Curry gave kind of a nice statement and a nice tribute in his press conference last night after the Warriors game. And I thought I'd share it with you. It's very unfortunate. I mean, um, you know, this day and age, when you get a text like, do you hear a tiger? Obviously, your mind goes, um, for me, it went to a dark place. And I, thankfully, you know, he didn't have any life-threatening injuries. But um, it's just unfortunate and sad. And knowing all he's been through, you know, these last couple of years. So, you know, thankfully, he's okay. Uh, from, from what I hear, I don't know too many details. But um, I just wish a speedy recovery because at this point, like, we all – I'm a huge golf fan, you know that, and, you know, love watching him play and, and being on the tour and um, competing. But at this point, it's not about golf. It's about, you know, his quality of life and being there for his kids. And um, that's that's the most important thing right now. So hopefully he makes a full recovery to be there for, for them, um, you know, because he's got a lot of life to live. Steph Curry kind of echoed last night what I said a couple minutes ago. When we saw that news yesterday, we all thought the same thing. Here we go again. Like, it felt like deja vu like we're about to lose somebody else like we lost Kobe like we've lost a lot of famous people in the world of sports and music and politics it's been a tough year and I'm glad that yesterday didn't play out like so many other days have played out uh, in the last calendar year Brett in lacrosse texts in and says I played bar league softball four months after I crushed my ankle and lower leg I wasn't 45 but whatever it's not his pivot leg at least game on Brett I love that attitude and I think we can walk a line of optimism and excitement that Tiger is okay and a line of hopefulness that he can come back while also being respectful and realize that he very well could have died yesterday. In fact, I don't remember if it was the examiner at the scene or the police department said he's lucky to be alive. He had a seatbelt on. So another reminder to wear a seatbelt. Yes. Okay, changing gears a little bit. 
Couple of great NBA games last night, the Bucks included, and some wholesome post-game moments. You just heard a moment from Curry. I'll share with you a moment that Carl Anthony Towns and Giannis had after their game last night. Uh, two games that were awesome. You might have watched him. You might have not. Uh, the Cavs got the Atlanta Hawks at the buzzer last night, so we had a buzzer beater uh, game. That's like felt a little bit March Madnessy because I was hopping around from different games, just kind of looking for close games at the end. Rookie Lamar Stevens from Penn State, so Big Ten guy, hits the go-ahead runner right at the buzzer, and the Cavs beat the Hawks one twelve to one eleven. I bring this up not because I'm really a Hawks or a Cavs fan, although I do like watching Cleveland. This is a Wisconsin sports show. I bring it up because Trey Young can really irritate me. And I just think it's funny when the Hawks lose, especially because Bogdan Bogdanovich wanted to go to Atlanta to compete and to be part of a blah. I got to get out of Sacramento because I want to compete. Yeah. How's that going, bud? 13 and 18 in Atlanta. Your best player didn't even make the all-star team after being a starter last year. You hate to see it, unless you're me or a Bucks fan or most other people. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. That's something you love to see. Something else I love to see, uh, Boston lost at the buzzer too. So all the teams that annoy me in the Eastern Conference, or at least two of them, uh, they got got at the buzzer last night, which is incredible. The Mavericks beat the Celtics. Luka Doncic hit the go-ahead three with only .1 seconds on the clock, which, by the way, let the clock run out. Let the buzzer sound. Nobody's doing anything with .1 seconds. It's just a, it's just a tease. The Celtics aren't going to get a shot off. Like No fans are going to be upset. Just let it. Don't stop it at .1 seconds. Nobody is a winner. Here's game uh, the game winner from Luka last night, the radio broadcast, because... TNT audio was, it was garbage. It was terrible. Here comes Doncic with six and five and four and three to his left. Pulls up from the hash mark. It's good! It's good! With a tenth of a second remaining as Doncic nails the game winner and the Mavericks will win it 110 to 107. Not to just complain. I, Luca's whining is really obnoxious, so sometimes He's difficult to cheer for, but he's as good of an offensive player as the NBA has, and it's really fun to watch him play. That game-winning shot was the same one he hit against the Clippers in the bubble. Feels like last summer. It was only a couple of months ago. And before we move on to the Bucks, this cannot be overstated. I love watching the Celtics lose so much. The Celtics, the 15-16 and 16 Celtics, by the way, a game under 500, yet they have two All-Stars. That is interesting. Moving on. Lastly, the Bucks beat the Wolves last night. 139 to 112. So if you were a Bucks better, if you had him on the money line, well, that was never in doubt. If you had him against the spread, maybe when you got into garbage time in the fourth quarter, there was some concern, but it didn't turn out to be the case. If you had him at 11 or 10 or 10 and a half, whatever your number was when you laid him against the spread, they, they handled it. Um, a tough time to be a Timberwolf in the state of Wisconsin, by the way. The Timberwolf hunt, they harvested the quota in what, like two and a half days? And then the Minnesota Timberwolves, the, the basketball team, of course, with their brand new head coach getting smoked at Pfizer Forum last night. I bet the Bucks against the spread with a buddy. I didn't go through it. Like, I just had a, fr- a friendly wager last night with a Minnesota sports friend of mine. And I thought I was in danger for a while, like I said, but Bryn Forbes said no. Bryn Forbes was wanted to make sure Bucks betters got paid last night because Bryn Forbes had 23 points. He is so fun to watch when he's hitting shots, and he's a Big Ten guy which I love. It was a good night for Big Ten guys last night. Penn State's Lamar Stevens hit a game winner against the Cavs. And then Bryn Forbes goes for a career-high 23 points, which is really, really fun to watch. I always like seeing a Big Ten guy go off. And I, I texted a friend, another friend, not the friend I bet with. I have two Timberwolves friends, and I talked to both of them last night. I grew up, well, I grew up near Eau Claire, so really, really close to the cities, closer to the cities than Milwaukee or Green Bay. And these are some of my, my way, way back friends. And I texted my buddy after the game last night, and he said, well, no one's going to beat the Bucks when Bryn Forbes goes for 23. And I'm like, yeah. Actually, that's pretty good analysis. Yeah, the, the Bucks, especially if Drew Holiday ever comes back, if Bryn Forbes plays like that, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. Bryn Forbes finished plus 22 last night. And Pat Connaughton, I think he heard the haters. He heard the critics because he was pretty good, and he's playing like an actual sixth or seventh man. Now that ebbs and flows with how he shoots the ball. But when Bryn Forbes goes for 23, nobody's beating the Bucks. The Wolves are bad. They are a bad team, and I understand that. I really, really like Carl Anthony Towns as a human being. I'm not sure how much I love him as a player. Uh, but I thought in order to fill the quota of wholesome Giannis content today, 
Uh, here's Giannis talking about his friend, which I didn't know, Carl Anthony Towns, after the game last night. On a different note, um, I, I noticed a moment that you and Carl Anthony Towns had after the game. I kind of I kind of was in his spot four years ago when uh, my dad passed away. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk with him uh, a couple a couple of months ago, but I, you know, I haven't seen him uh, in, a, in, a, in a long time. I had to go up to him and uh, kind of... Um, Speak with him, tell him a few few words, and uh, you know to represent his mom in the best way, and uh, told him something about his loss. But I kind of I kind of know how much he hurts. You know I know how is it to lose somebody that you love, and then you gotta go and still do your job. You know it's 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 it's, it's extremely hard. So um, I told him you know I love him. Stay healthy. I'll see you soon. If you don't know what Giannis is talking about, Carl Anthony Towns has lost seven family members due to COVID, including his mom. Carl Anthony Towns talked a little bit about his friendship with Giannis and how they've gotten to know each other. This is just cool. Giannis is a, is a friend of mine, I like to say, and, and you know, I appreciate him. And I don't think he gets enough publicly how much of a man he is, but I, I'll say it for him, even though I know he won't. Uh, I appreciate him and, and the way he's reached out to me during my time. And, uh, you know, we really, you know, built a friendship there. So I'm really appreciative of him and, uh, the amount of care he's put into me and my family. Seven family members, including his mom, including an uncle. It's just tough. This is real, even for sports stars. It's easy to sometimes disconnect sports with real life, but in this last year, that's it's pretty impossible to do. Stay healthy. Make good choices. It's just a, an example of how this pandemic has impacted, yes, even millionaire sports stars. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the NBA All-Star selections because everyone was fired up last night. This player was snubbed. This player was snubbed. Look, okay. Let's have a conversation about that. Coming up next, my name is Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I'm having a great day. Weather is beautiful. Lot to talk about. I'm doing awesome. Hope you are as well. Always welcome to text in and join the conversation on the talk and text line, the TTL. Brett in Eau Claire says, I'm a Bulls fan. Did they annoy you? No. Uh, I really enjoy watching Thaddeus Young right now. He's like he's finally caught on. Been waiting on Thad Young to get good for a while. It's good to see that he's balling. Brett also asks about Levine, who's an all-star. Yeah, let's talk about the all-star selections. Because the reserves were announced yesterday, and we kind of like casually, like, oh, the reserves are announced. Oh, cool. And then we move past it. So let's do a deep dive. Let's really get into the weeds, Brett and everyone else. You can also get involved on Twitter if you'd like. Follow me and tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. Not just during the show. You can tweet me anytime. I have no life, so I will answer you. And it won't take long, trust me. Probably on Twitter most of the time of the day. Anyways, at Wisco Grant. Uh, Shams Sharania first, I think, announced the rosters last night. And then, of course, it was publicly released by the NBA and, you know, the actual official outlets. There's two ways we can go about this, and I'm down for either way. So I'll take your opinion. We can do this one of two ways. We can, A, we can play dumb and ignore logic and reason, and we can cry foul over all the guys who were snubbed and how it's rigged and blah, blah. And we can do that. that. That's fun. I enjoy that. Or... We can realize that there's only so many spots and the NBA, the association has a lot of great players and the league is more talented than ever before. And some good players are going to miss out. A or B, which one, which one do you want to do? Uh, Once again, uh, both are fun. I I would rather lean towards B because I think that's actually a productive conversation. But if we want to be irrational and just yell to yell, I'm, you know me, if you listen to the show, I'm, I'm all about that as well. Let's look at some of these reserves, by the way, forgot to mention Brian uh, Sampson. Buck's Film Room is going to join us coming up in 10 minutes, so don't miss that. I think he was on the Locker Room app within the last hour, warming up the vocal cords and preparing his takes. So we'll talk Buck's basketball with Brian coming up in 10 minutes. Forgot to mention that, so before we get into the the reserves. Here's the roster. The West, the reserves are Chris Paul, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis. In the East, James Harden, Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, as Brett in Eau Claire brought to our attention, Ben Simmons, and Nikola Vucevic from the Magic. What's the Magic's record right now? Just 
for 13 and 19, which seems like it's garbage, but actually it's only two games worse than the than the Boston Celtics. The East is so compressed right now. Other than Detroit, who are 9 and 22, like no team is that bad. Like, yeah, Cleveland's 11 and 21, but two weeks ago, Cleveland was right there in the playoff hunt. So the, the East is rather compressed other than the Pistons. So to say one team is bad, well, sure, Atlanta's bad, but they're only two games worse than Chicago. One game worse than Chicago. He's only one game worse than Boston, who's the sixth seed. And a lot of people would argue, well, if Boston gets healthy, they'd turn it on at the right time. They can challenge anyone in the East, which is absurd, but that's how people work. That's how NBA media works. The Do we do the East or we just, we just did the West? We did the East. Yep, Nikola Vucevic, my bad. So notable snubs. So players who just got left out, and this is always the conversation and the debate. Who should have made it in that didn't? Because God forbid we just celebrate the players that made it in. We have to light our torches and grab our pitchforks for the players that got left out. So these are the notable snubs, like the first four out kind of thing, if, if we're talking about in the context of March Madness and Selection Sunday. Devin Booker is the one everybody's mad about. I, I'm a little bit frustrated by this. We did this last year, too. We did the same thing. How is Devin Booker not an all-star? How is this man? What does this man have to do? What does he have to do? I don't know, play a tiny little bit better. That, that <laughs> You want an honest answer? He, has to, he had to play a little bit better. He hasn't been that great. He's had great games, but it, like Devin Booker has not been the same Devin Booker we saw in the bubble. The, these two seasons, we did take a break. We did start a new season, and Devin Booker's been pretty good. He had a great game against the Bucks, but it's not the same version of Devin Booker we saw in the bubble. He has had a rather lackluster and slow start to the season, and I think he'll probably turn it on and make the Suns a very dangerous team down the stretch in the West, at least in the in the middle of the Western Conference. I don't think the Suns are going to vault up and join the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz, but, but they're going to be right there leading that next year. But that doesn't mean he should be an all-star. And also, Chris Paul is an all-star. He's their most important player. And Phoenix is the four seed. To get two all-stars, you need to be a pretty great team. Or the Celtics, who are under 500. One of two. You need to play for Boston, or you need to be a pretty good team. That's really the only way you get two all-stars. The Jazz got two, the Celtics got two, the Lakers got two, but once again, the Lakers are near the top of the West. The Sixers got two, right? Once you once you dip below then, you start talking about the Bucks or, or any of these other middle-of-the-pack conference teams in, in either the East or the West. You typically only get one All-Star, like I said, unless you're Boston, because you know, it's Boston. Uh, Tobias Harris, everybody's mad about that, which is ridiculous. Embiid and Simmons both made it in. If you think Embiid and Simmons and Harris were getting in, you probably also thought Eric Bledsoe should have been in two years ago, which was equally ridiculous. Trey Young. Trey Young. This is so this is so negative, and I hate to be this kind of sports talker, but whatever. No, no Atlanta Hawks fan is listening to this show. I'm glad Trey Young didn't make it because this this shows that all-star selectors and voters and media and coaches they prioritize at least a tiny bit defense. Defense matters. And Trey Young might be the worst defender in the league. And that's not entirely his fault because he's tiny. But sorry. You need to be able to stop a rookie point guard, which I don't th- I don't think he can check anyone. I don't think he could check this version of DJ Augustine. I get that's an old man take. Oh, he shouldn't be in the game because his defense is tough. Okay, but whatever. Deal with it. It's an old man take. Sorry, I have a few. He was an all-star starter last year with almost identical numbers. And then he completely fell out of the all-star team together because last year his team won 20 games. And all-star voters were like, wow, uh, he puts up numbers, but that team is trash. And Trey Young is kind of a sieve. He's worse than a sieve. He's just nothing. He can't stop anything. Uh, Really quickly before we take a break, I feel for DeMontis Sabonis didn't get in. He just does everything well. And he plays in Indy, which is a tougher market to get attention. He does everything well. He's not spectacular at any one specific thing, which makes it tough. But he's the first player to ever average 20, 10, and 5 and not make the All-Star game. I get why he didn't make it, but I still feel for the guy because I like DeMontis Sabonis. He's a good developmental story. And as much as I love first overall draft picks like Zion, yeah, the league needs developmental stories too. They need Chris Middleton and Kawhi Leonard and DeMontis Sabonis and Bam Adebayo. That's the salt of the earth of the NBA. We can't just talk about the lottery picks, like Trey Young, who also didn't make it. Lastly, Chris Middleton. I'm actually more interested to hear Brian's perspective coming up on Chris Middleton missing out, because I really don't have one. I'm bummed. And personal bias, I think he's more deserving than Jason Tatum. That's, I'm a Bucks fan, though. But Middleton, you have to realize, had a, had a, had a not-so-great two weeks leading into All-Star selections. 
and there are more deserving candidates now. The NBA is deeper now than it ever has been before. That's going to make it tough. Sorry. I don't like it. It's a bummer for Chris Middleton, but sometimes it's just the way of the road. I really don't have a hot, steaming take about it. Maybe Brian, our upcoming guest, does. Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room, Forbes.com, Dairyland Express, and just a voice of reason on the locker room app. That's the new wave of NBA fandom, catering to the TikTok generation, if you will. Marketing different, right? Reaching all of those younger NBA fans. We're going to talk to Brian Sampson coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking a little Bucks basketball. We're going to talk Brewers baseball little NFL coming up later in the show. So a lot to get to before six o'clock. Your texts always welcome on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558 and your tweets at Wisco Grant as well. Our next guest, and it's been a while since he's been on, which is too bad, on Twitter at Bucks Film Room, Brew Hoop, Forbes Sports, Dairyland Express, and he's been doing stuff on the locker room app too. That's Brian Sampson. Brian, welcome back to the show. It has been too long. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for having me after a few Bucks wins in a row. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that worked out, because I was looking at the schedule today. I was like, wait, they've won three in a row. Yeah, this is this is working out pretty well. Now it's against three terrible teams, but that's that's besides the point. Um, Brian, before we start, really quickly, um, I said you're writing at Brew Hoop and Forbes and Dairyland Express, and I think a lot of people who follow you know that. You've been doing stuff on the Locker Room app. Can you talk about that for a second and, and tell everybody how they can find you and, and join in on that? Yeah, so the Locker Room app is a new-ish type app. Unfortunately, right now it's only for iPhones, but they are coming out with um, an app for Android users really soon. That was the quote that I got from someone who's connected with them. So I know that they're working on that and having um, yeah that come out for Android users as well. But, yeah, basically what it is is you log into the app. You can create a room yourself. You can talk with other Bucks fans. You can talk with other Packer fans, Brewer fans, basketball fans, football fans, really anybody. And um, some people use it to, like, record podcasts. Other people just use it to open up a room, and you can just chat with other fans from all over the place. And it's really cool because if you open up a room, like, you can kind of control who speaks, or you can just go and listen, too. Like, you don't have to do the talking. So it's kind of this cool app where – I think just fans from all over can get together and you can just either listen at work or if you want to join in, you can join in the conversation too. It's it's a pretty fun app. Well, and I suppose that allows you to kind of get a pulse of Bucks fandom, right? Like, hey, we should trade this player, like, or we want this coach fired. Like, you kind of have a good sense for what fans are saying then, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's a good way just to have um, hopefully respectful conversations back and <laughs> forth, even if people, uh, disagree on points. Yeah, that's well, NBA fandom, we can we can drive ourselves crazy. It's a long regular season. You know, we can we sometimes get a little stirred up, but that's just fine. I, I told you off the air and I, I texted this to you last night, I'm pretty sure too, Brian. My biggest fear was the Bucks losing last night, and then we'd have to waste this interview talking about the Bucks losing to a Wolves team that's seven and twenty five. And I'm glad that that didn't happen. They've now won three in a row. Sacramento, Oklahoma City, and Minnesota. And what I've been saying the last couple of days is the Bucks are just they're just taking out some frustration right now. They were frustrated, and I think even a little bit, like, I I think they should have been upset losing two in a row to the Thunder at home. Like, that should have felt personal to them. That was a bad look, or two to the Raptors at home, excuse me. And I think the last three games, they've been kind of blowing off some steam a little bit against these really bad teams. And Drew's coming close to to returning, which I'm sure is a uh, shot in the arm. What else have you been talking about, and and what are the other big points? I'll just kind of open it wide up, and and you can take it wherever. What should we be talking about and, and focused on? as Bucks fans right now after these last three wins. Yeah, so it's, the biggest thing is just like the game of basketball, like the NBA season is a game of runs, right? So two weeks ago, the Bucks had won five straight games. They're at the top of their season, like, oh, they're, they're clicking at the right time. Like, they're really one of the best teams in the East. All of a sudden, one week later, they lost five straight in a row, and oh, like, they're like, oh, they're awful. They're not even going to make the playoffs. Like, why are they so bad? Fire Budenholzer. And now here we are just, what, five days later, and they've won three in a row again. So 
things can change really quickly. We've kind of gone on a roller coaster ride just in these last two weeks or so um, alone. And I think that speaks to the NBA season is, especially this season, there's going to be so many ups and downs. There's so many games crunched into a small window that you really just have to try to, and this is the hard part about sports because sports are fun because they're emotional, right? We're invested in them, but Mm -hmm. just try to relax a little bit, win or loss, and just see the bigger picture, you know, for this Bucks team, especially this year, like winning, or I guess I should say the regular season isn't everything. Heading into the year, a lot of people were saying like, oh, no matter what they do in the regular season, it doesn't matter until the postseason. But now here they are struggling a little bit, and all of a sudden the regular season matters again for them. Yeah, it's funny how that works, right? The regular season doesn't matter if they're winning. If they're struggling, it means everything in the world. I love how irrational sports fandom is sometimes. It's just frustrating when that irrationality is directed at uh, my team. Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room. You can find him on Twitter, and you can find all the links to his work and his breakdowns there. It's really, really good stuff. And you do watch every Bucks game twice, which I like. I have listeners that dog me for watching all of these games once in the regular season. You are really grinding, my friend. I, I want to... I want to go back to last week. They lost back-to-back games to the Raptors at home. And this is my take on it. Feel free to disagree. I thought those two games were a really bad look for Coach Bud. I I thought when I was watching, a a layman, like I never played basketball even in high school, I could easily point out instances where Nick Nurse was just out-coaching Bud, and it wasn't close. I'm not saying he should be fired. That's not what I'm saying. But I still see things that concern me, and I thought it was made so obvious in those two Toronto games last week. Where do you stand with Coach Bud? Things that you like, things that you don't like. They've played 32 games. What can you tell me about Coach Budenholzer? I think that he's trying a lot of different things this year and things that he has not tried, at least in his tenure with Milwaukee. Um, with him being in his third year with the Bucks, he's he's trying things that, especially in the defensive end, that he hasn't tried before, like switching defenses or just other types of defenses and especially in this year where they had what, like a two week training camp before the season, very little practice time. Like I think they're right now finishing a stretch of something like 17 games in 30 days or something like that. So like there's no practice time. What you're seeing is them practicing these new schemes in the game. So they're happening on live television in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And so you're seeing these mistakes that might get made more often in practice. You're seeing them in live action and so I think that's part of it, too, is is this year especially, well, I shouldn't say especially, like only this year, Boonholzer is trying new things in the regular season instead of waiting until the playoffs. So I think that's part of it. Um, but typically, he's just slow to adjust. And it's not like a lot of times I think adjustments, that word kind of is a buzzword right now, especially around Boonholzer. Mm-hmm. But it's not as easy as it seems because it's not like it's chess, right, where Nick Nurse, the head coach for the Raptors, makes the move, and then Boonholzer sees what he does, and then Boonholzer makes a move, and then Nick Nurse sees what he does, and then Nick Nurse makes a move. Like, it doesn't just go back and forth like that. Like, Nick Nurse will make a move, and then he will, his next move will be in anticipation of what he thinks Boonholzer will do. And Nurse, I mean, he's eaten Boonholzer's lunch for the last, what, two plus years now, and he always seems to be at least one step ahead of him. And that is part of Boonholzer's weakness is that tactical part of the game. Um, I mean, obviously he's done some really nice things since he came. You know, the year before he took over as the Bucks head coach, they were, what, the seventh seed or something like that in the playoffs. And then the last two years under his helm, he's, they've been the top seed in the East and had the best record in the NBA. So he does do good things. I think it's sometimes easy now to focus on some of those negatives or some of those things that he could improve upon. Yeah, and I got to remind myself, like, Drew Holiday isn't playing right now. And that doesn't mean they should lose to the Thunder, but it's not like they're without George Hill, their backup point guard. They're without the player that they completely flipped their roster around for. And I think we need to keep that in the back of our mind. It's still clear sometimes that Coach Bud is getting outcoached, especially with Toronto. But I do think we need to realize it is just the regular season and Drew Holiday is not playing for this team right now. And that's something I need to remind myself of. Brian Sampson, our guest here on the Wisco Sports Show. I want to talk about Giannis's three-point shooting. He's shooting 28% so far this season. And I'm, I'm more concerned about his free throw percentage, which has been great. Knock on wood, that continues the last couple of games. Here's my thing. Giannis mostly takes his threes off the dribble, right? They're not scripted, designed looks coming off a screen or in a specific spot, like his three-point shots don't manipulate the defense or create space or or, or do anything else. They're just, the way I see it, he's taking threes just to take threes. 
because he feels like he has to because that's how basketball works these days. What do you think of of that? What do you think of that opinion? And where do you stand on Giannis's three-point shooting? How it could be better or worse? Just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that he takes threes because the defense gives it to him. Like, exactly what you're saying. A lot of times, I would say most of his threes come when he's bringing the ball up the court. The defender sags way down, gives him a lot of space. And so, without any passing, without any offense, without making the defense work at all, he'll just hoist the three. And part of that, like, for a while when he started doing that, I agreed with it. It's like, yeah, you can't just let the defense sit back there. Mm-hmm. But the defense is sitting back there because he's an awful shooter. Um, and I think he needs to put a little bit more pressure on the defense and it's okay for him to shoot some of those, but I think that he needs to, at least in my opinion, decrease his three point attempts and really make the defense work because anytime he has the ball in his hands, it's a win for the defense if he's shooting behind the arc. Like he needs to attack. And even if he's not the one scoring or shooting, like just putting pressure on the defense by getting the ball deeper into the lane or closer to the basket, that just opens things up for better shooters. Because a lot of the times, if Giannis is the one taking a pull-up three, that means Bryn Forbes or Chris Middleton, you know, or Bobby Portis. All yep. these guys are shooting above forty percent from three. That's taking three-point attempts out of their hands, and usually Giannis can create open looks for those guys. So I, I think he needs to find that balance. And this is easy for me to say, right? Like sitting in, just sitting in my armchair, calling out the game or whatever. Like, this is easy for me to say, but I I think he needs to find that balance of taking those shots when they're given to him, but not bailing out the defense and giving them basically free possessions. No, I I agree. I'm not against him shooting threes, even if they're only going in at a 28% clip, which is a little bit of a dip from what we've seen the last couple of years. I'm not against him shooting threes. I just want them to be useful. I want them to create something, right? That's the idea. Well, if Giannis can hit a three, then it opens up this and that, and... It's not opening up anything. It's just taking threes to take threes, and I, I want to tweak that approach just a little bit. Brian, last question, because I actually <laughs> I got sent a blind resume by a listener, and I actually want to, I want to talk about this in our next segment, so I won't spoil it, but it has to do with Brooke Lopez and pointing out how Brooke Lopez really hasn't been that great for the Bucs this year, and, and Bucks fans know if you've watched. It's been a little bit less effective in drop coverage. Offensively, sometimes he seems a, a little bit lost. What are we going to do with Brooke Lopez? Right, like I don't think they are, they're going to trade him. I don't think they can get anything back that's worthwhile. How can Coach Bud and the Bucks tweak what they're doing so he's a little bit more useful? So he's not just this I don't know thirteen million dollar man just lumbering around, you know, scoring I don't know ten points a game. How can they use him more effectively? I like to call him the Joel Embiid insurance plan. Like I, I think that, in my uh-huh. opinion, is why he's on this roster is. Yeah, like, he's not playing well. He's clearly taking a step back. He's clearly slower. Um, I mean, his three-point shot, it is right up there, about league average, a little bit below, pretty good for a center. So he does a little bit of that. But that's, for me, like, that's the biggest thing is I don't know how much, excuse me, I don't know how much they can do with Lopez at this point, but you trade him away, who's going to guard and beat in the playoffs? Like, Giannis, that's just a, a... a matchup that's asking for trouble for Giannis. Like, sure, he's strong enough to handle it, but you know Embiid is going to flop all over the place, mm-hmm. draw some cheap fouls on Giannis. And for Giannis to both guard Embiid in the post on defense and then try to initiate and carry the offense on the other end, like, how can, how many minutes can he realistically do that and do it effectively? So I like to think of Lopez as that Embiid insurance for He's played really good defense on Embiid the last couple of seasons. He's a big body. Embiid can't back him down and bully him. Sure, Embiid is going to get his in any matchup, but Brook Lopez is going to make him work. So that's really how I look at that. I look at Lopez. Is I'm not overly worried about this season. I mean, I don't think that he's as bad as a lot of fans try to make him out to be. Sure, it doesn't always look so great. I don't think he's a huge liability. He's just kind of out there. But if Milwaukee runs into Philadelphia, who – has the top seed in the Eastern Conference right now or has the top best record in the Eastern Conference, like, they're going to need Lopez. That's a great take. And I think maybe, you know, look at last night's game, and I thought Ted Davis pointed this out on the Bucks radio broadcast last night. David Finch wasn't using Cat to guard Giannis most of the time, even though Cat might have been the best option. He was sending Jared Vanderbilt to guard Giannis because he wanted to keep him out of foul trouble, and he can't let Cat get banged up for four straight quarters. And to be honest, Brian, I hadn't thought of 
a potential Philly matchup and the importance of Brooke in a potential Philly matchup. So I think that's something we're going to have to talk more about. Hey, enjoy the next couple of games. You watch them all twice and your breakdowns are awesome. And I might just have to download the locker room app so I can uh, get in on this. I appreciate your time, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, be well. That's Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room on Twitter, Dairyland Express, Brew Hoop, Forbes. He's just a grinder. And we just like grinders on this show. We like people who do the work, get their hands dirty, and really dig into things. Speaking of which, a listener is a grinder. Uh, Greg in Eau Claire, who says he's a longtime listener, which is funny because we've been on in Eau Claire for two days, which means he's either been streaming for a long time or a longtime listener means three days. Either way, Greg, like Brian and like myself, is a grinder. He's actually texted in a blind resume, and it involves Brooke Lopez and another player. This is fascinating, and we'll talk about it next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on couple of minutes to talk bucks here before five o'clock our thanks and our appreciation and admiration to brian sampson bucks film room as you might know him on twitter he is he is kind of one of the ringleaders of bucks twitter he can he can rally fans to his cause i'm glad that he's a guest of this show and hopefully a fan of the show sometimes he'll dunk on my takes on twitter but that's fine they can't all be good I just like to think that me and brian are on good terms because he has an army of bucks fans that man and he will He'll snap his fingers. He'll turn on you. I don't want to be at odds with Bucks Twitter. That would just be terrible for the show. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to find me. Brian on Twitter, at Bucks Film Room, if you want to find him. Uh, we like grinders on this show. We like people who put in the work, watch the games, think critically about this stuff. We we're talking about Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez last night, I, I don't know, it was the same thing as every night. He's out there, and he's not a liability, but he's... I really giving you much. Last night he had 15 points, but it's the Wolves. 25 minutes, 15 points. M- more or less, he's had like six, seven, eight points a game, and just he's kind of out there. And I bring up Brooke Lopez to bring up this text from our friend Greg in Eau Claire, who says, longtime listener, a first-time texter. He says, blind resume, in all caps. You ready? We're going to compare two players without exposing their names until the very end. Player A, eight points per game, five rebounds per game, shooting in 20 minutes per game for 7.3 million. That's player A. Player B, 10 points per game, 5 rebounds per game, 46% shooting in 27 minutes a game. Player A is Robin Lopez. Player B is Brooke Lopez. So Greg in Eau Claire just simply wants to know if the Bucks paid the wrong Lopez brother. That is that that is content. That is texting content. That's what we're looking for. Well done, Greg. You're a grinder, and I commend you. Brooke Lopez is just kind of, he's kind of fallen into this role this year of being out there for, well, what was the average that Greg sent in? I'm just going to go off Greg's numbers. I'm not even going to look it up. Brooke is playing 27 minutes game, so fewer than Chris, fewer than Giannis, but still starter caliber minutes. He played 25 last night, and he's just kind of out there. He closes out on players, but players seem to make the shots anyways. Like, Brooke Lopez is the king of playing good defense and allowing makes anyways. Like, it's just kind of his thing. Like, oh, go, good defense, Brooke. Oh, okay, well, nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. <laughs> Run the floor, right? He's the king of that. Like, Rashawn Gary is the king of almost getting to the quarterback. Brooke Lopez is the king of contesting a shot really well, but having said shot, go in anyways. Dante, a listener pointed this out. A week ago, Dante, it doesn't matter if the Bucks win or lose. Dante is going to show up and have 13 or 14 points every night. Last night, by the way, he had 13 points. Like, you can book Dante DiVincenzo for 13 points on, like, 40, 50% shooting. You can book Brooke Lopez for 27 minutes, give or take 6 to 10 points, and really good defense that won't matter because the shots are going to go in anyways. Now, I'm not suggesting that they should have paid Robin Lopez, but Brooke hasn't been great. And I think Brian brings up an amazing point, and it's one that I I can't dream of conceiving. I wish I had. 
Brooke Lopez is on this team in case they got to play Joel Embiid in the Sixers. You can play Giannis at the five, absolutely. And Giannis can play at the five against the Sixers. He can defend Joel Embiid. He's big enough, he's strong enough, but he's not ideal. And I now can't really fathom the idea of going into a series against the Sixers without Brooke Lopez. I would feel, ooh, feel very unprepared. It'd feel like going deer hunting and getting out to go to my tree stand and it's two degrees and I know that I don't have enough clothes on, but there's nothing I can do about it because my jacket's back at home. That extra layer, I left it on the hook, right? You know that feeling, deer hunters? Like, it's a bad feeling. I would feel that way about going into a series with the Sixers without Brooke Lopez on the roster. Giannis can play the five, and you probably play a lot of five against Brooklyn. And, I mean, if they play Boston, but who cares? Boston isn't any good. Greg, appreciate the time. You're a grinder. Schmidt, okay, well, Schmidt didn't like it. Schmidt texts in and says, what is this Greg guy talking about? Guy seems thick-headed and not worthy of airtime. Schmidt! You don't get to decide what is worthy of airtime. And I love the attitude that we're getting on the talk and text line today. This is a true joy. And a real joy is we have another hour of the show left. I'm very much looking forward to the second hour. We're going to talk more about the NBA. And we're going to talk about the Brewers. It's Slow News Wednesday. And I thought, why not hear from the newest Brewer, Colton Wong? I'm all about hearing from Colton Wong today. and talking about the shift and some of the new things that he has uh, gotten into since coming to Milwaukee. So we're going to talk about that coming up at 530 more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after 5 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Wisco Sports Show. Rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out. Talking a little Brewers baseball. A little Cubs baseball, too. Uh, and I'm terribly sorry. I forgot the first name of Hap, the outfielder. Yes, it is Ian. Handsome guy and a heck of a rotational outfielder. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Ian Hap. It's interesting how down people are on the Cubs and how up people are on the Brewers. The Cubs still got a lot of good players. They let some good players go, but they still have a lot of good players. Brewers get Colton Wong. And we think we're World Series bound. And look, I'm buying into the hype, too. I'm I'm all in on the Colton Wong thing. Steve texts in and says, hey, Brewers are a 90-plus win team this year. Book it. Okay. So, Brett says Masters champ Tiger Woods in 2022. Steve says Brewers are winning 90-plus games. I, I'm going to create a folder on the desktop in here, folks. Just know that like you will be held accountable for these takes. You will. Like, I'm not Jim Rome. I'm going to roll you over the coals and hang up the phone. When you have garbage takes, but they, they, there are consequences for bad takes. We don't just throw, we don't wildly throw things around on this show. <laughs> That's all we do. Appreciate the text 608-796-2558. Twitter, follow me at Wisco Grant as well. So it's Slow News Wednesday, which means at five thirty we just kind of we just kind of we just kind of hang out and talk about something that's interesting. Sometimes it's related to our teams. Sometimes it's not. Maybe it's an interview or a breaking story or a video, or, like, it's just whatever. What's going on? Whether it's related to our teams or not. And today we're lucky because it is related to our team. It's related to Colton Wong, who I am amped about. Now, I don't think he's vaulting the Brewers into World Series relevance, but I think he's really good, and I think he's exactly what this team needs. I, and I like this move so much that this morning, while I was making and eating my breakfast, I was just trying to think of puns using the name Wong. And I got to say, I really only got one, and it's a shoddy... Barbara Mandrell reference to this song. Loving you is Wong. I don't want to be right. It's not good. It's not great, but it's it's better than nothing. So you can send me your Colton Wong puns, and then we can talk about whether it's any good or not. Barbara Mandrell also, people kind of forget she was, you know, she was it. Back then, you look at some of her old album covers. It's like, okay, well, she was Shania Twain before Shania Twain. And here she is singing about, like, the subtopic, subgenre of classic country where, like, cheating songs came around. Not like you're cheating hard. Like, that's that's different. We're talking about, like, the alpha, aggressive woman country singer that's just taken what's hers. Like, there is no Carrie Underwood or Shania Twain, some would argue, without Barbara Mandrell. So before we move on, I just want to point that out. We were quoting George Jones last night, so I thought we would stick with the uh the topic in the era of music 
Just something to keep in mind. That's all I'm saying. Last week, I had to remind everyone how good Dave Matthews is. This week, I guess it's Barbara Mandrell and George Jones. Because there's nothing better once you've had the best. See, the possum kind of laid it out. Once the Packers win a Super Bowl, I don't really care about an Aaron Rodgers MVP season. It's nice. But nothing matters once you've had the best, as George Jones said. Uh, We're talking about Colton Wong. Um, I would apologize for letting the show getting off the rails, but what a, we got time. We got all the time in the world. I'll talk classic country anytime. Colton Wong spoke with the media at spring training this week, including Buster Only. And I'm a Buster Only guy, and I didn't used to be. I really came to respect national baseball reporters last summer. Like, they were kind of, they, they kind of grounded me. Because I did the show for months with no sports to talk about, and all we really had to cover was baseball labor negotiations. Not exactly lighthearted topic. We're not quoting Barbara Mandrell last summer. Let me just say that. Like, it was heavy lifting. Legalese, contracts, negotiations, and Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal and Carl Ravitch and Buster Olney and Tim Kirchin. They are kind of like a shining light in the dark wilderness last summer when everything was shut down. So I've learned to appreciate these guys. And I was interested to hear what, what Buster Olney and Colton Wong talked about. Firstly... Only asked Colton Wong about his new team, just simply moving across the division. Cardinals to Brewers. What's up with that? Colton, you know, the uh, Brewers, you made reference to the shifting, the aggressive shifting that they do. um, And they have had at times non-traditional second baseman, you know, Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. What were your conversations with them as you went through the process about what you would bring to the table and what they were looking for from you defensively? Yeah, I I think they understood just what they were getting, you know, when they were talking to me, obviously. You know, I'm a guy that loves to play second base. I enjoy playing defense, but, you know, the shifting aspect, I, I'm accepting it. You know, I, I feel like that's part of the game nowadays. And, um, you know, with the analytics that we have, they're going to put me in the best position to make plays for these pitchers. And at the end of the day, that's all I really want to do. Uh, keep, you know, guys off the bases, keep these pitchers in as long as possible and, you know, allow us to do some damage and win games. First thing, Colton, uh, welcome to Milwaukee. Uh, we don't call them pitchers round these parts. They're outgetters. So small, look, small language issue. We'll get there. We're gonna get, gonna get whipped into shape using the, using the right lingo. It's interesting because before Colton Wong hit free agency, he had to know that the Brewers do things just slightly differently. At least from the Cardinals, right? They move guys around. They'll put Moose at second base, or they'll put Travis Shaw at second base, or they'll put Keston here at first base. Like nobody's playing the correct position. And that's just kind of how this organization goes around it. And Wong knew, came here in free agency. It's not like he was traded here. He knew that that's the way Brewers do things. And he must have been interested in being a part of that. New system, new team, and a great manager, most importantly. Um, not some wannabe Tony LaRusso who tucks his jersey into his pants. I'm so over that, by the way. Mike Schilt can... We'll move on before I say something uh, off-color. Buster only then asked about the shift because Francisco Lindor, who's now in the Mets, I don't know if you notice this, kind of spoke out against the shift this week. I hate the shift. I don't want to do it. So Buster only says, hey, well, what about uh, what about you, Colton? What do you, what, what say you? So Francisco Lindor and, and his Zoom call yesterday, he basically told reporters, look, I'm not, uh, I don't like shifts. Hmm. You, it sounds like you're completely open-minded to whatever they bring to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with him. Like, I'm not a huge fan of shifts, but you know what? That's part of the game. Uh, I think we got to adjust to the game. We got to adjust to the times. And, you know, whatever they want me to do, I'm ready to do it. You know, that's why I signed that contract is because I wanted to be a brewer and I wanted to do what the brewers do. So uh, I'm excited for this opportunity. And, you know, if shifting is going to be it, then, hey, put me in the best position I can. Yeah, if the shift is uh, right, I don't want to be uh, – I don't want to be Wong. I did that backwards, actually. If the shift is Wong, I don't I don't want to be right. What? Whatever. Now I completely forgot what we were talking about. I got to stop. Stop. We're not, we're not doing the singing thing on air. Whether you're pro-shift or you're anti-shift, I would argue that the problem or the perceived problem, depending on who you talk to, I don't think it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem of perception. The problem isn't the shift itself, right? The way that people perceive the shift or handle or talk about the shift, that's the problem. And analytics in the broad scope, whether it's in football or baseball or in basketball I don't I don't think analytics have been perceived as too big of a problem in basketball maybe the three-point shooting but that's as much of a problem as laziness and and a lack of defense as anything else the issue is understanding and the issue is application people don't know what to do with this stuff even in the year 2021 there are sports fans and sports analysts and teams that just don't know what to do with analytics so we treat it like a dirty word 
right? We just treat it like something, something that I noticed this last election cycle, because we have a news station in our building too, and it has conservative talkers on it. So sometimes I'll be walking past the studio and I'll hear, you know, Sean Hannity on a monologue or Rush Limbaugh, you know, rest in peace before he passed, you know, on a monologue. And something I, I, no matter your political affiliation, you got to give it up to the political right because they've weaponized certain words. It's like, this person's a liberal. Well, yeah, they're, yeah, they're a Democrat. They're a Democrat. Yeah, but, but they use it in such a way where it sounds negative. This person stands with Nancy Pelosi. It's like, yeah, they probably, that's their party. They probably do. But that side, that side of the political spectrum does such a good job of weaponizing certain words. And I think sports media has done the same with analytics. It's like, oh, they use analytics. It's, well, they do. They have a full department. What's wrong with that? Yes, they use analytics. The problem isn't the analytics themselves. It's the way that they're perceived or they're applied or they're understood or not understood in most cases. Like, I remember after the NFC Championship game, Stephen A. Smith blamed analytics for Matt LaFleur's field goal choice. Like, I remember listening to his rant on first take the next day. He's like, I can't believe Matt LaFleur and the audacity to kick a field goal and take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, the bad man. He took it out of Aaron Rodgers' hands analytics ruin the game bro every analytic model would prefer in that instance to go for it no analytic model no number cruncher is telling ever to kick field goals really field goals are hardly ever the preferred option of any analytical minded analyst but yet we just blame analytics liberals well yeah that's their political yeah ron kind for example in this district, on this side of the state. Oh, you're a liberal. He, he's, I remember watching some of these debates. He's like, well, kind of. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> you're all into analytics. No, no analytic model told Matt LaFleur to kick that field goal. He did that through his own logic and through his own gut instinct. Right or wrong. Right? I don't want to get into that debate right now. Analytics aren't the problem. The shift isn't the problem. Right? Teams need to figure it out, and players need to figure it out. Because we always go through these things in sports. Like We, we always think it's the end of the world, and we always get over it. Because players are too good, and the, the good front offices are too smart, and they're too effective for the league to get stuck on any one thing. Now, baseball might come close just because these front offices don't appear to care. They, they're not trying. We talked about that yesterday. There's something interesting to, something interesting to chew on with analytics. Analytics aren't the problem. The problem is the perception and the application. Analytics aside, though, let's move on. Let's talk about something else. Colton Wong talked about the chemistry in Milwaukee, and that's something that he really liked. You don't often hear chemistry discussed in baseball, so this intrigued me. Obviously, you could see it, you know, playing. Everyone was pulling on the same string, and then you could see how, you know, every time we play against the Brewers, I mean, this was a team that was competing to the very last out, you know, and that was something that drew my attention and wanted to come here. Is, um, I knew this team was never afraid to play anybody, you know, was never afraid to go out there and, and compete against the best in the league, so... I'm excited to be a part of this group, and hopefully I can, you know, bring something special to it as well. I love this because as a Packer fan, as a Bucks fan, there have been instances in the last 10 years with the Packers, especially the last two, or with the Bucks recently. Sometimes those teams can be a little bit of a front runner. Like, hey, when things are going good, the Bucks will win a lot of games. And when the Packers can play with a lead and they're healthy, they can win a lot of games. But when you... I don't know. They, how do they play from behind? How do they play when their back's up against the wall and when they're dealing with injuries? And at times, the Packers haven't been able to do that, and the Bucks haven't been able to do that. You make one adjustment, and they tip over. And I, I got to say, I'm proud, and I'm happy that the Brewers are the team that no one wants to see at the end of the year. Like, you turn on, like, baseball tonight, and John Cruck is on some rant about how, I can tell you what, if I was a manager or a player in the National League, I would not want to see this Milwaukee Brewers team right now, which typically means that team isn't very good, but they're on kind of a heater, which the Brewers always are in September because Craig Council is a magician. I love that that's my team. That they're the team with the great chemistry and the great energy, and they always got it together at the end of the year because you can't really always say the same for the Packers or for the Bucks something I was thinking about. Finally, last question, last answer. Colton Wong talked about Keston here moving to first base and how he can help out that process a little bit, help out his buddy over at, uh, at first base. I think that's just going to come down to me and him playing together. Uh, you know, it took me and Goldschmidt a little bit to get comfortable as well. Um, you know, I like to range to my left a lot. I like to range to my right. So, you know, hopefully I can take a little burden off Keston with having to go too far. Um, you know, I know it's a new position for him and he's got a lot to learn. So, 
I'm just hoping that, you know, with me, you know, being able to range my left leg I do and, and taking those balls away, it'll take some stress off him where he can just focus on doing the little things at first and, and not trying to, you know, do too much. I, I found this very interesting. Trying not to do too much, take it easy, learn slowly. Because Craig Council said the same thing last week. He spoke to the media. He said, honestly, the biggest challenge of spring training so far is I, I got to slow these guys down. I have to remind them that we're not under a time crunch this year that we're on a normal schedule and we have time to work through these things naturally, that we're not compressed into a 60-game season. We have time to work through these things. And Craig Council, the perceptive son of a gun that he is, realizing, we take it easy, fellas. We're back to normal now. Sure, there might not be as many fans and we got to wear masks, but the schedule's back to normal. We got time to work through position changes. We have time to work through all these things. Slow down. Take it easy. Breathe a little bit. Enjoy a margarita or a nice cold Miller Lite out in the lawn in left field. Easy. We got time. I thought that was very, it was very perceptive uh, and very observant from Craig Council, which is no surprise. But it was interesting to hear Colton Wong say the same thing. Hey, Keston, easy. We got all of spring training. We have all of spring to get this done. Not spring in the state of Wisconsin, but spring in Arizona, because by March, it's like a thousand degrees. March, April, it's like a thousand degrees, like you're living on the surface of the sun. Let's take a break, get to some final texts. I don't really have anything planned for the last 10 minutes, so we can continue our Brewers conversation. And if you want to jump in and add a little detail or add a thought or add a question, we need plenty of time here in the last 10 minutes. 608-796-2558 and on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.